coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc. We got some shit to go over. Some very exciting stuff. But John, there were no fights. We don't need fights. <laughs> we don't, we don't, I mean, fights are great and we'll talk about fights all day long if we have to. But we have a wealth. Between the two of us, we have a wealth. Wealth. You got that? A plethora of a wealth of information about other things, too. I know about other things, too. And we're going to talk about some of them today. But right now, let's talk about Chalens and, uh, and Fedor. I think, I think all fights should end like that, with the guys giving each other gifts and hugging and, and complimenting each other. And I'm not being a smartass. I think that's the way all fights should end. It makes you feel good. Fedor beat the shit out of Chael, even though Chael didn't tap, right? But... It was a great stoppage. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from the referee. But Shell's right. He did not tap, and that's why there's a referee to save him. I'm glad it's not up to Shell because if he wasn't tapping and and uh, Fedor kept pounding him, he might have brain damage. So you don't want to always leave it up to the guy. It's called checks and balances. It's like our U.S. government is supposed to have, but it never works out that way because there's always payoffs and corrupt politicians. But there has to be a checks and balances. So if the fighter doesn't tap, the referee needs to stop it. Or the third branch, the corner. The corner. Right. Well, the corner and the and the fighter are kind of one, and then the referee's the other. But, yeah, you're right. There's three people, technically, that should be stopping it. And I think, like I said, in Bellator... Big John should have a big buzzer where he can just stop the fight from the, from the commentating desk. I think Maybe I should have fourth the fourth one. I think I should have the buzzer from home. But yeah, you're stop. right. And uh, yeah, so but I like the way they they reacted after, and they're both great sports. So that's the way it's so supposed to be. So what other sports are like that? Like what? Where they you know is boxing like that? Is boxing? Do the guys? Uh, how is it? In bo- I don't watch a lot of boxing, but. I, the boxing I watched growing up usually involved Mike Tyson or Vander Holyfield. I don't remember them hugging after. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe they did. I don't, I don't remember. Boxing used to be a lot more ghetto-ish, so the guys weren't as, 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 as nice after, before, during, whatever. Um, but there were guys that were really nice, and they, and they got along. Um, I think Ali... Got along with most of his opponents because he was just he was just a gregarious guy and he was outgoing and he was he loved to stir the pot but he was also very respectful in his way um, and and a lot of the fighters were but they got a lot of ghettoish guys that were fighting and they always had to puff out their chest you do not see that as much in the UFC but then you have guys like Connor and the and the and the Diaz brothers and and. Uh, and guys like that, and Colby Covington now, he wants to be in that gang too. 
where they stir the pot a lot to sell more tickets. Sometimes they go overboard and sometimes they get, they go from trying to stir the pot to just full on fucking douchey. Um, but usually they don't. So, but it's really, the thing I like about Chael is he just seemed to know when to push and when to pull back. And, and he seemed to do it in good spirits. And, um, and that, that's what it seemed like with this, with this fight. <laughs> and it was funny as shit. I mean, he was like, I got robbed. I didn't tap. So, and then they hugged after and, and in the dressing room, uh, um, Fedor gave him a, a tracksuit and that's the way it's supposed to be guys. All right. Not throwing fucking metal objects through buses, not throwing cans at each other, not jumping into the, into the audience and punching people. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. We need to bring back something in the UFC called integrity. And with the fighters, it's called Bushido or basically class. So we just need a little more of that. What do you think? I agree. But I would also point out that you watch fighting and you see the big spectacle of someone spitting on the other guy and then the brawling and it spills out of the cage. And you're like, oh, look at this barbaric sport. And then you can flip over and watch the NBA game and watch the Lakers and watch one of the guys get spit on and a brawl break out and everyone gets, you know, multiple guys are suspended for multiple games. So it's not really isolated, even though it's a fighting sport by nature. You'll see that in baseball. Clear both, both benches get cleared out during you, a fight. You see it in football. You see, see it, it in football. all, but, but, but it's just funny right after this whole thing broke out. You definitely see it in the NBA. I've seen fights go into this stand where one of the players went after a fan. And let me tell you how stupid that is. Let me tell you why that's so stupid. If these guys who play their game, not a sport, but a game like basketball, if you want to fight, fight. At least the guys in, in the UFC or even boxing, they fight. And then they, it spills over to another fight. You guys don't fight. So if you want to spill something over, shoot more fucking hoops. If you want to spill, if you want to clear out both benches in baseball, Start throwing a ball around. You're not fighters. If you want to fight, step up and fight. But you're not fucking not. You're not fighters. So don't try to be fighters. You never see two MMA fighters get mad at each other. So they start shooting hoops to to. That's how they get angry. No, no. If you wanna if you wanna get angry, do your own fucking sport. You don't get to do ours. All right. So don't don't try to fight basketball players. That's like watching, that would be like watching uh, two, two MMA fighters try to shoot hoops. No, stick to your own sport. When you fight, you actually demean the sport because you fight like this, like two <laughs> fucking girls. So please. No, I don't know. That was a full on Let brawl. me see. Yeah, brawl like two girls. The Rockets and. Oh uh, my God. No. And the Lakers. And Rondo, one of the Lakers spit on the other guy. That's what caused the fight. I'm he sure there's a spit on him. So it's just what's with the spitting, guys? Uh, it's pretty disrespectful, but it's that's so, what happened. It's douchey. Uh, yeah, that was the same thing that really upset me with what Khabib did. Who did he spit on? He spit on Connor. When at the end of the fight after oh, he that's choked so him out, I didn't see it. Oh yeah, he spit on him. 
that was the most disrespectful thing. But this happens in so multiple suspensions, guys were throwing punches. This happens and in every sport. It's terrible. It's terrible. But I don't know what's worse. I think I'd rather be spit on than hit with a fucking steel dolly. Think about that. But anyway, both are terrible. So show some class, please, guys. Please. Make our sport look good. And for basketball, don't try to fight. You guys can't fight. Do not try to fight. And our sport, you can fight. So let's keep it in the cage and show some class. Please. All right? Now, what else? Okay, we got John Jones saying something about his, uh, his, uh, his performance-enhancing drugs. He, didn't, he took so little it wouldn't have made a difference. Then why do them at all? <laughs> if it made no difference. Let me tell you something. He would say, John, you're just a hater trying to diminish his accomplishments. Okay, that's like telling, seriously, that's like telling Arnold Schwarzenegger you would have been exactly where you are right now if it wasn't for, for steroids. How far do you think he would have been? Anyone that does steroids wouldn't be where they are without steroids. Or else they wouldn't do steroids. That's the exact reason they're doing it. Right? Try to look at, like, like Tony, what's it, Frank Zane. Or some of those just huge, like Franco Colombo. He wouldn't have been where he is today without steroids. Any fighter that's on steroids would not be where they are without those steroids. Okay? I'm sorry. Or else you wouldn't have taken them. You're not going to take them... To go backwards, right? You're not going to go there to lose. You're taking there. You're taking the steroids to be better, and you're better because of the steroids. So you would not be where you are without the steroids. It's a, it's a, it's a. You can't argue that. You can't argue that point. You cannot argue that point. If you want to argue that point, tell Arnold Schwarzenegger he would have been where he is without the steroids, right? Sounds pretty stupid, doesn't it? All right, so, boom. That's all we got to say about that. Anything else you got to say about that? You're the doctor. What do you got to say about the steroids? Well, I was just reading what John Jones was saying about it, and he said that it was equivalent to taking a pinch of salt and throwing it in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So why do it? Nobody would do that, right? Nobody would take a pinch of salt and throw it in an Olympic-sized pool and then swim and say it was salt water. No, it's, that's the dumbest thing in the world. If that's all it meant, you wouldn't have done it. You would not have done it. It's, it's, it's serious. It's like, I'm going to go for a workout, and you go put your, your equipment on, and then you look at the, you put your hands up to the bag, and then you say, okay, I did my training. No, you, you trained, right? And that was significant. The steroids you did were significant. Where's my mom? I gotta answer this. Hold on, guys. I wish I, okay, I'm gonna put her on speaker. What's up, mom? You're on speaker right now. What's going on? They're just coming to Don't get say anything about poop. Don't say anything about poop. Don't say anything about don't say anything about poop right now. No, I won't. Just to take me to Honokaha. Okay, is that the rehab place? Yeah, I'm gonna be there for about how long? Don't know, because hopefully when they have a bed up in North Kohala, they'll transfer me up there, but I'll be there a week or two in Honoka'a otherwise. Or two? A week or two, he, she said. Okay, well, I'm going to find out because I want to be there when you get home. Okay, I'll, I'll figure it out. 
I love you, honey. Okay, I love you too. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's my mom. She just she's eighty seven, and she uh, about three days ago she fell and broke her hip. So not not good. I mean that's what a lot of old people do, as our orthopedic surgeon knows. And it wasn't it wasn't a good night for her because she broke her hip, and then my sister helped her into her room, and she was so uncomfortable on the bed. She had a broken hip. She didn't know it. They just thought she hurt her le her hip a little bit. So at about about midnight, she got off the bed to try to go to the phone to call my sister to say I'm in a, tell her she's in a lot of pain. But it hurt. She couldn't move. So she laid on the floor for like almost 8 hours, 7 hours actually, screaming and hell and 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 yelling for help, and nobody heard her because my sister was asleep, and she was just laying there in pain. She couldn't reach her phone because her hip was broken. I mean, it was like broken, and she couldn't get to her phone, and so she laid there for seven hours, yelling for help, until her her best friend came over in the morning. They do coffee every morning, and she heard her yelling. Went in the room, called nine one one. Took her to the ER. She had a broken hip. They did surgery, and now she's gonna go to, to rehab for a couple weeks. So, were there any? Had, did she have other falls before this one? Never. So this is an important thing. Is that that's pretty amazing. That was her first fall, and she broke her hip. But I meet a lot of patients that, oh yeah, I've had like three falls. I never broke anything, and so they're you know there's a balance problem or there's some issue. As we get older, it's dark. You could be disoriented. You can trip on a loose rug or anything and you fall and break your hip. And the problem is, we see this pretty commonly, is someone breaks their hip and then they can't call for help. This is what happened to your mom. It's terrible. I mean, someone's, there's there's not much more painful than that. I mean, you can't even move. You can't. It's a huge, it's you, a huge joint. That's a huge, that's a huge thing to break. Breaking your shoulders bad, breaking your arms bad. Your hip is such a big joint. I can't imagine the pain. So if you take someone that's already maybe, you know, they're 87, their strength maybe not what it was, to try to get up or get help after breaking your hip. I've, I've met people that have been found after a week, um, you know, that they've broken their hip and they're laying on ground, they're dehydrated, they come to the hospital. Um, breaking your hip's pretty serious, so being able to call for help is super serious. So if anyone has any family, elderly family, or living family that's living alone, or someone in your family that's had other falls, that needs to be looked at because usually someone that falls and breaks something has had another fall. There's yeah. been some other warning sign. There's been a fall. Maybe they just broke a wrist. Maybe they didn't break anything, and then you know you fall and break something, and it changes everything. everything. Luckily, your mom, you know, she had her hip fixed. Hopefully, she's already up and out of bed. Yeah, she, and she happened to be in really good health. Really good health. I saw good a, vi a video of her not that long ago, like on rowing. the rowing, the yeah. rowing machine. Eighty-seven years old. She sends John a picture of her using the rowing machine. Yeah. So uh, she's in really good health. I got her. I've got her working out back in the seventies, and she's been pretty. Uh, she's been re pretty religious with her workouts ever since. Um, so she's gonna go to rehab, but it's scary. So what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna make sure in her room there's a speaker, so. It could be connected to my sister's room, um, and I want I wanted to have one of those life alert 
I don't know. If it, I'm sure there's different brands, but I want her to have that from now on. So if she falls again, somebody's going to go help her. Yeah, this was a fascinating thing we were talking about, you know, just the technology that's available now. The old school, you know, we remember the commercials from the 80s where I've fallen and I can't get up, but that thing could save your life for sure. Obviously, if you're living with family, you know, that, that also makes it so you're not going to hopefully be on the ground for a three days before you come to the hospital. Um, but just that old school technology, just being able to alert help. But the newer technology, like these new Apple Watches will detect it, that you fell, and then if you don't respond to the watch saying, hey, you fell, are you okay? It'll call 911 for you. Other than that function, I think most people probably don't need an Apple Watch. But that's pretty cool that that technology is coming. It won't be widespread for a while, but that technology is going to be out there where, you know, your your own personal device, whether it's your phone or your watch, whatever, knows you fell, calls for help for you. It's kind of like the cars now. Yeah. That you get in an accident and it, they come, they ask if you're okay, and if you don't respond, they, they call nine one one and send out an yeah. ambulance. Yeah. What is it? All star. What is it? Star. North star. I don't know. Yeah, my car does that. It's like, uh, and you can. It's really cool. One thing I like about that is. Uh, because I've locked, lost my keys and locked them in the car, um, you can call it OnStar, OnStar, and uh, you give the code word, the password, and it it, it opens your car, uh, you know, by satellite, and it also like like you know like you said it'll it senses when your your airbag deploys or any kind of accident, and it'll it'll OnStar, are you okay? And then it'll call nine one one. And obviously, there's GPS, so it'll direct them to you. So, we got some good things. I was worried about my mom, but uh, so you're headed out there. I'm gonna go there when she is released. So, like, if she's gonna go to now, she's saying one to two weeks. Um, I want to be home. I want to be at her house when she gets home because I want to set up a couple things. Like, I want, I want to make sure her room's good. I want to be there when she gets home. But if worse gets worse, I'll go over there. Um, if she's still in rehab when we're doing belt testing, I'll go over then. But I am I'm gonna go over there. So anyway, so that's that. Well, she sounded mom. good on the phone. She didn't, she sounded like she knew what was going on. Yeah, she's yeah, my mom's really with it. My dad broke his hip and he was already he already had dementia, so it was a harder it was harder. His rehab was a lot harder because he was out of it kind of. He was he was demented. Um but my mom isn't. She's really with it, uh, a little too with it sometimes. Um, so, um, but she's scared, and she realizes, hey, I'm 87. I just broke my hip. I've always been independent, and you know now I'm more vulnerable than I thought I was. I mean, I feel like that sometimes at my age, and I'm not even close to that. So I can imagine how scary how scary that must be for her. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what else we got? We got a couple things. Number one. Um, I want to talk about this before um, before we go into the upcoming UFC. We're just going to touch on it real quick. Um, I got I got four rules for you. Um, if you're in a secluded area, because being in a secluded area is a lot different than being in a in a you know a populated area. Like if you're walking from the bus stop to your apartment and you live in Manhattan and there's people all over, that's one thing. It has its own set of uh, hazards and, and stuff. But if you're in a secluded area um, and you're going to walk from point A to point B, it's much more dangerous for a one-on-one -on -one, um, attack. 
because people don't have, they're not having to worry about, uh, the attacker doesn't have to worry about witnesses or people helping you. So you, you're your own 911 call pretty much most of the time. If you're in your own house and someone's breaking into your house at three in the morning, 911 is not going to help you. Okay, 911 will get there to find your body if, if the guy wanted to come in and kill you, right? Or 911 is going to get there in time to find your attacker's body if you took care of business like you should. But if you call 911, right, they're not going to get there in time to protect you if you can't protect yourself. It's just, it's not going to happen. 911 is great. Those guys are great. The cops are great. The paramedics are great. Fire guys are great. But there are not that many of them. There's not enough of them. You don't have your own private 911 guy. They're going to have to come from miles away. In my house, a 911 call is about 25 miles away or 25 minutes away. Do you know how many times I get stabbed in, in, uh, in, in 25 minutes? Imagine if... The, if you get tired of stabbing you. If, imagine if this was the night, and you just keep this going for 25 minutes. Your attacker I, would be tired. You can get stabbed <laughs> about 80 times in 25 minutes. It's crazy. So you're your own 911 call. And, and in, in a secluded area, you're your own bodyguard. You're your own protector. So there's a couple of things. Number one thing you have to do when you're in a secluded area and you're walking... So you're Do talking not. in a public area, but but somewhere not well lit or where there's no people around. A dark, secluded place, yeah, okay. and, it, and that could be that could be walking into the parking lot of a of a grocery store, a long parking lot. Sometimes you're at, towards the end where there's not many cars, and if somebody, if you're just doing this while you're walking. John's, and not paying John's attention. looking at his phone if you're listening, by the oh, way. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking. I mean, I'm not even looking where I'm going. Somebody could blindside. That's exactly what the bad guy wants, the attacker wants. They could just blindside you, right? Rob you, beat you, stomp you, rape you, do whatever they want with you, and then get away scot-free. All because you weren't paying attention. So number one is be aware of your surroundings, always. When you're walking, if you're walking like in a mall and there's a bunch of people, I don't care. Walk, look at your cell phone. Bump into people. I don't care. But if you're in a secluded area where you could get attacked and seriously hurt, be aware of your surroundings. All right, That's number one. Very important. Very important. Number two. So leave your phone in your pocket. Leave your phone in your pocket. Leave your phone in your pocket. Number two, be, be assertive. Acknowledge. Acknowledge that you see someone. Be assertive. Don't, if you see somebody at the corner of your eye while you're being aware and you see somebody over there, like 10 feet away, 20 feet away, whatever, acknowledge them. Acknowledge them. You might think that's a little aggressive. It's not. It might be a little assertive, but that's okay. It might keep you alive. Like just If you acknowledge that person, they might think, Oh, shit, now, I, now they know I'm here. And they might just walk away and pick another target, right? So you acknowledge that, that, that they're there. How long have you been doing that? Because I remember I've been with you Forever. different places, like on the beach, and John always does that. So I was did, walking by. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'll do that to everyone everywhere. If, I, if, I, if I'm walking in a, in a crowded place, I acknowledge people that are making eye contact with me. If I, if I see somebody and I'm walking with my wife in, in Venice Beach, and it's 
11 o'clock at night. It's secluded. If I see somebody out of the corner of my eyes, I don't care if they're 30 feet away. I'm going to say, hey, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Hope it you're having a great night. It comes across as friendly, too. You always want to come across as friendly. Like, I'm not saying, what are you doing there? You know? So I'm saying, hey, what's up, man? So I'm going to acknowledge them. I'm going to acknowledge them. Okay? That's a little assertive. But I'm going to tell you what. If they start walking towards me, and it's 11 o'clock at night, they have no reason to be walking towards me. Then I, I up my assertiveness, and I start demanding. I'm going to say, hey, man. All right. I, you don't need to walk any closer. What do you need? I don't like you walking this close. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Because guess what? If they keep walking after you've demanded that they don't, you know you're, you know you're in for a fight. You know you're in for a fight. So I'm going to say, hey, back off, bro. You don't need to walk that close. And I'm going to put my arm out. I'm going to put my arm out and say, back off. That's what I'm doing right now, if you can't see this. I'm putting my arm out and saying, back off. And right then and there, I have a grip of my weapon. Because even before this happened, as, long, as soon as I'm walking into an area that I know is secluded, my weapon comes out and it goes in my hand. I'm not brandishing it, but it's hidden, but it's in my hand so I can use it. It, it does you no good in a pocket... Because if they blindside you, the coroner is going to find it in your pocket. <laughs> okay? If they beat the shit out of you, by, by the time the paramedics come, they're going to take it out of your pocket. So you want to have it ready. Because your fine motor skills disappear when you get an adrenaline dump. Right? So you put out your hand. Your weapon's in your hand. He, they didn't see it yet. And the second they get close enough to touch you, you attack. You attack. You, you preemptively attack because they have no reason to be that close to you in, in, a, in a street situation. Are we still on rule two? Where are we at? We are at, okay. <laughs> so there is uh, aware, be aware of your surroundings. Right. You be aware. Acknowledge. Of this, acknowledge and, and then you be assertive and you demand, right? And then you always... Use your gross motor movements, not your fine motor skills. In a life or death situation, always use your gross motor movements, like, uh, like slashing or stabbing or pulling a trigger. Don't try to use your fine motor skills, like getting the weapon out of your pocket or getting your, your gun out of your holster. Those fine motor skills disappear. If you, realize, if you notice, when a cop feels something might be going on, like if he's approaching a situation, his hand goes to his gun. Because that way, if, when the shit hits the fan, he just pulls it. And that's a gross motor movement, as opposed to trying to find, find, you know, find motor skills, which won't be there. Okay? So, those are your rules, people, and that'll keep you alive. And let me just throw something in. Keys are great and very, very important for opening your car and starting your car. But when you, when you walk from your, from your job to your car or for wherever you're going to your car or you're going to a secluded area, don't depend on your keys to be your self-defense weapon. Just like you're not going to depend on your, your, your gun to start your car. The keys are to start your car. The gun or the knife are to protect you. Okay? 
So if you want to have a weapon, use a gun or a knife. If you want to start your car or open your door at, at your house, use keys. All right? Know the fucking difference. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Too much? <laughs> no. All right. I, that's, I'm with you. Those are my rules. There are going to be more videos of this coming out because I'm, I'm, this is actually what I'm going to be going over for this month. I feel like this needs a video. It is. Yeah. There's, and there's, I think we need video of you showing... We can follow you around downtown slow with a uh, camera. Hey, listen, I talk to everyone. I talk to everyone because I acknowledge everyone that looks at me because where I grew up, if you made eye contact with someone, it was usually a negative thing. Like if I made eye contact, they go, fuck you looking at, holy, or what you like beef, you know? So I'm used to looking at people. I'm not going to look away because to me that shows weakness. Like I'm not going to lower my gaze. I'll look right in their eyes and I'll say, hey, how you doing, brother? I'll acknowledge them. Hey, long time no see. I've never seen this guy before, but to me, that's something I say. I don't know why. But I'll always acknowledge people. But anyway, so that's that. Good. All right. Now, we got a UFC coming this weekend. It's coming from uh, Canada. S- Canada. Court McGee's fighting Alex Garcia. Good fight for Court. Um, court looks good. Court looks really good. He's, he's, there he uh, is up here. There's Court. Um, court looks really good. He's... Um, Court's training uh, at Absolute when he's in um, when he's in Utah. He gets a lot of good work there. Now he's working with our friend Mark Montoya at uh, Factory X, along with uh, with the, the Siler. The main event here. Oh wait, who's the main? Oh, Anthony Smith. Anthony Smith. Oh, very good. That's great. Yeah. So they're on the same card together. So, so Court's been training in Colorado, right? Court's been training at Factory X with. Uh, with uh, with Mark, with yeah, Mark Montoya, great trainer, great camp. I mean, it's it's now you got, I mean, yeah, Jacksons and and ATT, right? And it seems like right now AT and T is like ATT. It looks like ATT is kind of taking over as number one, but uh, it seems like Factory X, man, they got some, they got they got it going on, man. I see them as the up and coming. Uh, uh, fight team. I, I love that fight team. I think they're really good. They got some great coaches, great great uh, fighters. They just seem to have a great attitude. I mean, Siler goes there. He's been winning, and now he's going to be in that, uh, in that what's, the, what's the name of it? PFL? PFL, yeah. Yeah, he's like in the million dollar, uh, in the million dollar uh, tournament. He has a good chance of winning that. So tune in, Fox Sports 1, 7 p.m. Pacific. Well, uh, Court's first fight on the main card. So Court McGee is the first fight on the uh, on the main card. Can't wait to watch him fight. Everybody, he's doing great. Um, love that guy. I love Siler. I love him. I love. Uh, it's a, it's it's uh, it's really good to see them branching out and doing some really good training. Uh, I think if you're in a good camp, you should stay in your camp. But some camps, like the Pit, I, I think we have one of the best camps ever. But we don't have enough people. We just don't. It's just people. We're in a small town. I don't want to have a big camp. I'm a little karate school. So we do really good at what we do. But I don't have a big camp. I don't have the, the bodies. I just don't have the bodies. So sometimes you need to go to a big camp and get a lot of bodies. Right? But if you have a camp like that and you're, reg- you're a regular at a big camp, like say Anthony, uh, Anthony Smith, then you don't need to go to other camps. Right, except if you want to specialize a little, 
like work the left hook, work some takedown defense, then you might want to come to me. So little camps have their benefits and so do big camps. So right now I think Court made a really good idea, a good choice because um, Absolute's a really good small camp. And I think by going to a big camp is a really good idea. So I love having him uh, going there and I think it's going to be really good for his career. But anyway, that's all we got today, guys. We love having you guys. Thanks for coming. And uh, please share us and tell everyone about us because, because they're going to they're gonna, uh, enrich their lives by listening to our podcast. All right, John. Well, if uh, you may be out of town, you might not be out of town. Either way, we're doing the podcast. We'll be here next week. We're doing we're... the podcast either way. Glad to hear your mom's doing okay. Thanks. She sounded good on the phone. Thanks. All right, till next week. All right.